From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist here at Square2 and some changes in the um, uh, schedule today. A, we're going to talk about something a little bit different than I had originally planned. And B, my guest host, uh, best friend and uh, longtime business partner, Eric Kalis, is out and about. He's actually speaking digital transformation in Los Angeles today. And I am thrilled to be joined by Nathan Singer from HubSpot. We had such a good time with Guillaume last week at Inbound. Nathan was like, I got to get on the show. And uh, here he is today. Nathan, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. Mike, thank you so much for having me on. Pleasure. No problem. Nathan, what's your official title at HubSpot? Is it, is it Channel Account Manager or, or is that Guillaume? No, Channel Account Manager. You Channel right. Account Manager. Awesome. Okay, cool. Let me take care of some housekeeping, then we'll get right into it. Hey, if you love the show, you can check us out on YouTube, uh, the Square Two Marketing Channel. All of the What's Wrong With Revenue episodes are posted there the next day. Like us, subscribe, comment. We love to hear your feelings on the show. Really appreciate your participation on YouTube. Uh, if you're into podcasts, we're on all your podcast platforms. It'll be published tomorrow. iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Apple, all your favorite podcast platforms. If you really love the show, you can go to square2marketing.com. There's a button at the bottom. What's Wrong With Revenue? Click it. You can subscribe to the show. We'll send you out episodes right to your inbox the next day. We'll get on your calendar. You can join us live if you're so inclined every Wednesday at four o'clock. Um, also, I have to tell you, check out Hub, uh, Square Two's free streaming service, Square Two Plus, where we publish all our audio and video content. We have content about HubSpot. We have content for rep, uh, CROs, CMOs, CEOs, uh, salespeople. Uh, go check it out. It's at square2marketing.com backslash, backslash square2plus. So with that, Nathan, how is your inbound? I mean, it's over now. Is everybody at HubSpot get like a big sigh of relief that they've like made it through? Like how, how was it for you last week? Oh man. Oh, Mike, it was, um, it was incredible. It was wonderful. I was so happy to be there and I'm so glad it's over. You can only get <laughs> inbound once a year. Right, right, right. I have to ask, um, because I could not stay, I had to get home. How was Barack? Was that, uh, did you get to check that out? Yeah, yeah, I, I was able to uh, to stay and, and hear him speak with Brian Halligan, and uh, it was incredible. It was a little bit surreal. Like, it's kind of unbelievable that I work here sometimes, and I'm right up, you know, towards the front, and there's President Obama. It was wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you had good attendance for that? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty yeah. uh, solid attendance. Pretty very good. good, very good. I'm glad that worked out for HubSpot. I'm glad that worked out for the attendees. I was a big get, get the ex-president like that. And I heard Brian was kind of like super, like uh, in his own little cloud there, getting to talk to the ex-president, right? He definitely, uh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> good. Okay, so what happens after, right? What, what do you guys do this week? Is it just like back to business as usual or there's some... Uh, some uh, follow-ups and things that you got to do after inbound that, that, that you guys typically do. What, what's the week after look like? Week after is big. The week after is big. And it's kind of a lot of uh, triaging, right? Because you have one, all the emails you couldn't necessarily keep up with and all the meetings you had to postpone in order to meet with folks at inbound. So you got that. Uh, and then on top of that, you have an incredible amount of product updates that were just made public. I'm sure we'll cover a bunch of those uh, later on, and you want to educate if you're a channel account manager like myself, you want to connect with your partners, get hyped, you know, share that. And you probably have a bunch of prospects or old prospects that could have benefited from this, you know, this brand new product update, and you got to get back in front of them. So it is an equally hectic week, but uh, but a little bit, uh, a little bit different. 
Nice. Oh, that's pretty interesting. So your your job now is to kind of evangelize some of the stuff that was talking about and take it out to the street, right? 100%. That's exactly right. That's the game. All right. That's pretty cool. Okay, great. So let's talk about inbound. What were some of your big takeaways from it? You know, first big thing, and it was just great to be back in person, right? Obviously, it was great to meet you and be able to spend some time together. And a lot of us at HubSpot, like I've worked with people for years and I've never met them in person, which is pretty wild. So how long have you, how long have you been at HubSpot? Um, let me see, coming up on four years, four years. So you started like a year before the pandemic, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was in the office until March of 2020 and we all kind of grabbed our stuff and ran for the doors and I, I had never been back. Right. So there are definitely people that you didn't, you never met before. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to meet everybody. What else? Meeting everybody was big. And a lot of it is, I mean, there were some incredible product updates, right? Um, and I think in, in Yamini's keynote, she really noted on the age of the connected customer, right? And HubSpot's been on this crafted, not cobbled, right? Singular source of truth, a system from the ground up for a while. And really the age of the connected customer to me is almost a natural reaction to what's been going on during the pandemic right because in all the ways that we became more connected eventually that almost hangover right where you're getting so many emails and as you know mike like reply rates open rates to marketing emails have plummeted and yeah. the connected customer is kind of the next you know the next iteration of hubspot of how can brands connect with their prospects with their customers uh, on a more holistic level yeah i i guess also you could probably think that for as many companies who are, you know, responsibly responding digitally, there are many more who are not responsibly responding digitally, right? Like, just because you're forced to do something doesn't mean you're going to be good at it. And I think that's probably making it difficult for a lot of us, right? Like, if I can't go and knock on my customers' doors, if I can't see my customers or my prospects at our big event that we always go to every year, if I can't take them out to lunch or play golf with them or take them to the Red Sox game, like, what am I going to do? Okay, I'll send them some emails, you know, like, uh, and the, 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 the outcome of that is just a, a, a pretty big mess, you know, spaghetti soup of, of digital execution that is making it challenging for pretty much everybody, as you described, like our inboxes are overwhelmed. Our LinkedIn feeds are overwhelmed. Uh, it's just, as you know, she mentioned, it's very hard to connect with customers and prospects, as you're saying. But I never really occurred to me that some people were forced into this by the conditions and they may not really have been prepared or may not have even really wanted to do it well. And they're just doing it because they, they had to. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. I think, you know, an additional point on top of that is you also have, you know, the security updates, right. From right. and other providers and that third party data that a lot of marketers I think had rely on. And, and maybe some of them are in that, you know, not to say irresponsible, but, you know, if they're only looking at third-party data and no first-party data, uh, you know, you're not engaging directly as much. And that layered atop the kind of influx of email, right, has led to this crisis of disconnection. That's true. We have definitely seen a lot more clients talking to us about, oh, we bought Zoom Info. Oh, we bought Seamless AI. Oh, we bought whatever, you know, database they think is going to help them get in front of their prospects. And, you know, that's not an easy conversation for us to have too either, because now I have to be like, well, you know, like that's kind of good, but you can't lean on that too aggressively. And I mean, I learned a lot this year about um, spam traps. <laughs> and I, have to, I have to tell the, I have to tell these guys like, oh, you know, there could be some names on that list that are literally designed to catch you. So like, and you're not going to know who they are until it's too late. So um it's it's been we've had some interesting conversations around data and and those kind of points. Yeah, I imagine you might have um, some folks might have been like spam trap. Like what what do you mean? Yeah. Who, who runs right. that? The government? Right. Like <laughs> right, you know? Right. Yeah, we yeah. I mean, it's an interesting conversation after we explain it to them and 
Um, not, you know, not something that those uh, data providers are telling anybody either, which is also, you know, not great, but it is what it is. Hey, I got a little side tangent question for you. So yeah. I was meeting with someone at Inbound and he pronounced your CEO's first name. I was then on a call yesterday with, with a, another agency partner of yours who pronounced your CEO's first name differently than I thought it was and differently than you just said it was. So can you correct me for once and for all, how do you say her first name? I always thought it was Yamini. This right. Okay. I always thought it was Yamini also. And I was correcting those people to be like, oh, it's Yamini. They were saying Yamini. And the, the only reason I even questioned the whole thing was the second person I talked to, he said he had just gotten out of a meeting with her. So I can't imagine if he said Yamini to her, she wouldn't have been like, oh, you know, like it's Yamini or maybe she didn't correct him. It, I mean, is that a thing? Like people don't know how to say her, her first name? I mean, at this point, I'm going to go check on this as soon as we get oh, you, You're now so, not sure. You well, think you um, might be wrong? I was positive until about a second ago. All right. Well, get back to me because I always thought it was Yamini and everybody I've heard at HubSpot has said Yamini. So... But I don't know if I, I mean, I mean, she, she must've said it when she did her speech, right? I, I mean, now I'm questioning everything. Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to like uh, blow up your world, but uh, check it out and get back to me because I don't want to be wrong. And I certainly don't want to be correcting people if they have it right. And I have it wrong. I uh, listen, this is, this is the top of my to-do list right now. Okay. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. So. We talked a little bit about the, the data stuff. Um, we actually, something I didn't even, I mean, I don't know if I could mention this, but we got access to a private beta today. Am I not supposed to talk about anything that's in a private beta? We'll leave it at your discretion, you know? All right. Well, I, I don't want to get in trouble. I mean, trouble everyone was kind of excited about it, but they didn't talk about it yesterday. I mean, last week. So let's just leave that. I'll talk to you about that privately. Okay. All right. Sounds All right. good. Okay, so any other takeaways from last week that you think are interesting for our listeners that maybe, I mean, I know you kind of came in at the end of Guillaume's talk, but I'm just curious, like from your perspective, what else kind of struck you? For me, one big thing that has really stuck with, well, there's a number of things, honestly, right? Um, a big one is payments, right? HubSpot payments was a very, very young offering. Uh, until right now. And it kind of, it, it lacked a lot of functionality that I think is table stakes for a lot of businesses. And yeah. that was really blown up at inbound. I mean, payments and meetings, payments and email, payments and forms, the QuickBooks sync. I mean, yeah. clearly they've just- The QuickBooks syncs is, QuickBooks syncs definitely big. We're actually like looking about maybe transferring all of our payment links and doing it through HubSpot now that it connects with QuickBooks. That's, that's big. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, that, that says it all right there. Yeah. Right. How big that is. Well, I mean, what about like, um, uh, like uh, product catalog, right? Cause a lot of, a lot of our manufacturing clients, you know, want to be moving more B2B, want to be doing more online transactions, but they have like pretty big product catalogs and, that always seemed like something the payments product wasn't really ready to handle yet. Is that still the case? I think it's getting there. I think it's yeah. getting, I think it does. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a sales guy. So I'm supposed to say, yeah, it's immediately there. Let's go buy yeah. some stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I, yeah. you know, I, I think there are some things that have a little bit to go, but I'm, I'm very bullish that as HubSpot, you know, is becoming that number one CRM for scaling companies, Right that they invest more and more and more and more into that product library with these integrations into payments and just be that, that source of truth, right. For the front office. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I really like HubSpot's run, walk, uh, uh, what is it? Crawl, walk, run strategy around the products. And, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of analysts and I'm always kind of explaining it to them like, yeah, the products in the, you know, in the crawl stage and, you know, this is what they do. And they, they get it out there and they get a lot of feedback and then they kind of, you know, decide what features are really needed by the marketplace. And over time it starts to grow and get more functionality. And, you know, we were talking a lot about service hub too. How I feel like service hub is now pretty much ready for prime time and, you know, can compete with any of the other service products out there. And, you know, it took them, took HubSpot a couple of years to get that product kind of ready for prime time. But, um, 
I'm expecting a lot of more opportunities around Service Hub next year. Uh, a lot more clients have it. A lot more clients are asking about it. We're onboarding a lot more clients to it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I've always kind of thought the HubSpot product strategy was very, very sound in terms of, you know, using market feedback to make the product uh, do exactly what the customers wanted to do. 100%. And I think the perhaps the biggest thing that I'm, I'm most excited about, I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up, is the customer journey analytics. And I All think right, that, yeah. Yeah, what you were saying about Service Hub, right, and offering now really ready for prime time. And the benefit, I think we're going to see a ton of cross-sell, upsell opportunity to help customers grow uh, now that Service Hub is prime. And a part of that is, you know, with this journey analytics, there's really no need to follow the same formula for every campaign, right? I mean, customers need to feel that the relationship with you, the brand, is real. That's that's the connected customer, right? In a right, nutshell, right? They're looking for like a personalized experience, a deep connection, first-party data. And this analytics, they give marketers at any organization the ability to kind of visualize the end-to-end -end journey, right? So I, I think what we found back in 2019, right, when they launched um, um, revenue attribution reporting in the Marketing Hub Enterprise, that was an enormous kind of first step to the end-to-end -end customer journey. And I think this is just so much more powerful, um, where it can map the entire thing. Uh, and actually allow folks to connect with their customers versus just kind of throwing stuff. You know? Yeah, there's actually a lot to unpack there. I mean, we spend a lot of time with our clients on the customer journey. We have a you know, specific model that we use to help them identify all the stages in their journey and how people are feeling and what questions they're asking and you know what content is appropriate for them at different stages of the buyer journey. And uh, uh, lean into pretty heavily creating that experience from, you know, click to close and even obviously past close, right? If you don't take good care of them as customers, the, the cycle is not going to spin as quickly as it, as it potentially could. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, for instance, you know, we've been also counseling people to start thinking about marketing campaigns more like you know, one-to-one -one as opposed to one-to-many, right? Which typically is what marketers want to do. They want to send one email to 30,000 people and go like, hey, I'm done. Like, Ooh, look at me. I talked to 30,000 people today. Like, aren't I great, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, no one's really responding to those. Yes, your privacy issues are making that more difficult. But like, you know, when you see a stock email or even something that you think is a stock email, you know, I'm just generally deleting it. And I'm sure everybody else is doing that too. But when something's very personalized to me, I'm going to at least read it and see if it's relevant to like what's going on in my world. And if it is, I'll, I'll, it's very likely that I'll, you know, engage with, with that content. So the ability to create one-to-one -one campaigns and personalize the entire experience all the way through the buyer journey and see what's working and what's not working, right? And, and make adjustments in real time. This to me is like the next phase of like marketing and 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 growth, right? If if you have that kind of insight into how your prospects and customers are interacting with your content across their entire experience with you, you have some really intelligent um, data that will produce significantly interesting insights that will help you drive the next evolution of your plan and program, which is going to produce better results. So, and I'm not even talking about like the sales rep that gets to go in and be like, oh, they went to this website. Oh, they downloaded this offer. Oh, they opened this email and they clicked on this link. And I can see that they're really interested in Marketing Hub as an example. You know, I'm going to lean into my Marketing Hub conversations with them, you know, as opposed to trying to talk about these other things that maybe are on my agenda, but not on their agenda. Like, you're just going to have such richer conversations and your prospects and clients are going to have such richer experiences. It's all about that going into 2023. I love what you were saying about the one-to-one -one campaign. And I, I really think that's the big opportunity that marketers have in the next 12 to 24 to 36 months, right? Like, because we've reached this enormous era of disconnection of, of spam, really, for lack of a better word, Right. The brand that does, the brand that steps up to make that hyper-personalized customer journey, the one-to-one, -one, like you just said, 
they are going to be rewarded in spades because they are standing out from the crowd. Like the folks that say, you know what, I'm not doing the, I did not talk to 30,000 people today. I had one meaningful conversation with one really good fit buyer, Yeah, right? That was where I think you're going to see the ROI. And the folks that jump on that the fastest, that's that's where the action is. Yeah. And I think marketers, because we ruin everything, are going to <laughs> want to find a way to scale that one-to-one conversation. And again, I, I feel like the tools are starting to come into shape. I don't think they're all there necessarily to do that in a completely elegant way. But, you know, if I can send out a thousand emails and they are highly personalized, and I don't mean like dear Mike, I mean like, you know, contextual references to things I might have done on your website, um, offers that are very specific to maybe my industry or my role, uh, you're going to get a dramatically better performant. You're going to generate more leads uh, uh, and real good leads of people who are actually interested in what you're talking about, as opposed to all this generic, you know, garbage that we're all sifting through every single day. Yeah. And I love the call out of like, hi, Mike, I- I've been waiting right. for a while for someone just to send me an email. Hi, first name. Dot, dot, right. Dot. Well, <laughs> haven't you seen this? We know it's you. Sorry to digress here, but haven't you seen the guys that go, hello, friend? And like for a second, you thought they made a mistake. And then in the email, they're like, oh, no, that wasn't a mistake. I actually know what I'm doing. Like they're trying to use that to like get my attention. Like all that that all that does is make me even more annoyed. Right. Like, come on. Like, that's not even right either. Um, So. Uh, I wanted to just, I want to cover one more thing related to inbound, and then I want to move on to some other stuff related to HubSpot, but um, I, I I mentioned this to you specifically. I think we were done with Guillaume and we were talking uh, uh, on the floor uh, last week about what Yamini and Darmesh said about how, you know, people are really confused about what to do and no one really has figured it out yet. I published something on LinkedIn today. And I sent it to all of everyone on the square two list today in more of like, more of like kind of like a text, text email, as opposed to like, you know, an email with pictures and links and stuff, which basically says I was very uh, impressed that they would stand up in front of, you know, all these people and basically admit that, you know, the world has changed and everybody is trying to figure it out. And I kind of felt uh, a little bit better about the world after they said that, because this is something I've been thinking about for a long time and haven't been super authentic to admit that I'm less sure about what to do today than I was a couple of years ago. I mean, after all, this is what I do. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a lifelong marketer. I've been doing this for my entire career and, you know, no one's looking for me to be like, shit, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just as confused as everybody else. Usually they're looking at me and going, what should I do? And most of the time I have a pretty good answer like of what they should do just based on my 10,000 hours of doing this. But today those answers are harder to come by. Um, it's, it's certainly much more complicated answer. Like we just talked about the architecture of a campaign in 2023 and it is dramatically different than what a campaign was in 2022, right? So how do I even explain that to somebody? How do I get them to understand the work that needs to go into it or the, the money that it's going to cost to execute it? Because it's it's just dramatically different than it has been in the past. But I really appreciated their authenticity to, to kind of, you know, open that up to everybody and be like, yeah, like the, the old playbooks don't work anymore. And you, you need to try some new things. And we think we might be able to help, but we're all trying to figure this out together. Very well said. And I saw that post. It was great. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think it takes a tremendous amount of of courage to say, like, I actually don't know, you know, especially. And I think that compounds when you have the 10,000 hours of experience. Right. It gets even harder to right. say. Right. Oh, no, I, I, I really don't know. Right. right. Um, yeah. I definitely applaud you for for taking that stance. And and I think I think authenticity is the way forward for brands, for marketers, for everybody. Right. And it's and it's okay because if any if we've learned anything in the last couple of years, it's nobody really knows anything. 
right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many variables, even, even for folks with expertise and experience. So yeah. I think a brand having an authentic conversation is that that is the way. If you can stick to that, I think we'll be okay. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So shifting gears a little bit. Um, you talk to a lot of companies about buying HubSpot and I'm curious, like, how do you, how do you get them to embrace some of these new concepts, right? Like HubSpot is this platform, right? That enables them to like do more things and grow better and more efficiently execute sales and marketing. But I'm sure in a lot of cases, they've never had a platform like that. Never never invested the kind of money they might be getting asked to invest in, in HubSpot. Like, how do you get them over that hump that is purely, we've never done this before and I'm nervous and uncomfortable. How do you get them over that? Yeah. I think the first thing is starting with curiosity and kind of staying with that because there's a reason if someone gets on the phone with a sales rep that they've never met before, there is a problem that they're hoping maybe I can help them solve. And if I understand what that is, I'll understand whether or not, or at least I'll start to get a better idea uh, as to whether or not HubSpot could in fact fix that problem. So, you know, you'll frequently get your, your first, like your first level problem, if you will, like, oh, we need more leads, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of it is just those five whys, right? Which is, you know, kind of that classic, in a not annoying way, keep, you know, be like a five-year-old. Well, why, why do you need more leads? Well, because we don't really have enough conversions. Well, you know, why do you think? And then you, once you get to that third layer, you realize that they might not have a more leads problem. They might have a brand identity problem, a wrong leads problem. It very well may be something completely different than what they've first offered. So curiosity is the place to start. Um, and a big part of it for my sales process, at least is, you know, you said something interesting there, people like investing the money in a platform like this one, it's to acknowledge that it, it can be really scary to plunk down, you know, tens of thousands of dollars or more, right. Or hundreds of thousands of dollars on software that you've never even used before. And the next thing is that th this is a tool, right? This is not a sunk cost. This is a tool designed to expand and grow your business. And if you can commit to using a tool like HubSpot, right? In the long term, I mean, the track record's pretty darn good, right? Um, so I try to lead with, again, that curiosity and just acknowledge and instill confidence in folks that if you lean in and we work on this together, this this can solve your problem. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and rarely is it just the HubSpot investment, right? Very rarely rare. There are usually almost always other things that they need to also invest in, right? They might need to hire somebody to, you know, be the HubSpot person for their company, or they might need to bring an agency like us in to help them with some of the execution around HubSpot, or, you know, they may need to connect HubSpot to something else. So, you know, they're looking at the HubSpot, you know, licensing fees, but they're also looking at the other, sir, the, the other investments around that. And, you know, my experience is that most of the people who we're talking to haven't done this kind of thing before. Yeah. And I would say 80% of them are relatively nervous about doing it this time. Um, and for a lot of them, it is a major investment. You know, e even if it's only 20 or $30,000 all in, like maybe it's like, you know, like, Pro plus services, you know, and one hub, like that's a lot of money for, for a lot of businesses, especially that, I mean, HubSpot still serves a lot of small to medium sized businesses. So, uh, you know, it might not seem like a lot of money to like a big company, but it's a lot of money to most of the companies we're talking about, we're talking to and talking about. Uh, so I would think that would be a big part of your job is like trying to get them comfortable that this is going to be the right decision. And, you know, they're not, they're not going to get burned. P people have bought software in the past and it hasn't materialized. It hasn't helped them. Pretty much everybody has that story uh, that either them or someone else, they know, oh, we, we bought this thing and it never really worked out. And we were stuck with it for a year and, or whatever the, what, whatever the bad story is. Yeah. Everyone knows about that. So, I mean, you think just kind of, aligning it with their major issue and getting them excited about the opportunity gets them over the hump. 
Is that what you're saying? You know, it's a good start, and I think that opens the door. But to walk through it, there's a couple things I look for. So, um, you know, for um, for the benefit of the listeners, I was a customer success manager here for about three years before stepping into a sales role. So I've very much been on the other side. Uh, when you get that customer who has been sold this enormous bill of goods and right. then kind of expecting it all to happen, and you're like, right. Oh, yeah. this is gonna be bad. You know. Do you ever leverage any of those stories? I think that would be, you know, amazingly helpful to say, like, oh, look, I've talked to plenty of people who are concerned with exactly what you're saying to me now, and you know, this is how we help them work it out. Seems like that would be huge, right? Constantly, yeah. Right. And, I, um, and there's a couple key things that I that I look for in what might be a customer that isn't ready to buy yet, or might even be a bad fit in general. And a big one are folks that think this is like, like a magic, like a panacea, a silver bullet, you know, where all they have to do is buy this HubSpot thing and every problem is fixed. And I really try to impress upon them that this is just a, a, a gym membership, right? It's an incredible gym, but if you're not going there, if you're not working out, if you're not, you know, um, utilizing it, you're, you're not going to get in shape. You're really, really not. And you're going to be throwing good money after bad. And I think you really use that story. hundred percent. Yeah, we do. We, we, I actually do too frequently. I, I consider us to be kind of like the personal trainers. That's of, exactly what I say. Of the space, right? Because when right. you do it yourself, you leave early. When you do it yourself, you only do eight reps because it was too hard to do the last two. When you do it yourself, you spend your, your time talking to your friends more than you do working out. You stop and get a smoothie on the way out. Like when you're on your own, you're not a great exerciser right but when you yeah. pay someone to stand there with you for 55 minutes you're like getting a serious workout and the expert is telling you exactly what to do hey do this exercise like oh i didn't know that was an exercise so pushing you to do more reps like teaching you the technical nature of the actual rep that you're doing so your muscles get the most out of it and you always see the best results when you work out with a personal trainer i use that quite frequently i'm i'm happy to hear that you use that i want to know if the direct reps use that, because in my head, and don't take this the wrong way, HubSpot, but in my <laughs> head, I feel like I feel like the direct reps might be a little more like, yeah, buy HubSpot. It's going to be great. <laughs> you know, I think more and more direct reps are bringing in partners because they we all want the success of our prospects. There is much more in it for a sales rep if there is a good fit sale, because you can then expend that we have a bunch of hubs, you know, this, like you can sell them operations hub, sales hub, right. whatever other hub down the line, if it's a good fit. And, and one thing that I like to add on top of the, um, you know, you get more out of it with a personal trainer. If you go into a, to a gym and, and HubSpot can be a pretty advanced gym. It's like CrossFit or something, you right. know, when you have bad form, you can right. seriously injure. You can get hurt. Right. Yeah, and we've right. seen that on the CS side too. I'll get given an account and I'll be like, what did people do in here? I mean, you got, you know, thousands of random lists. You got workflows that update properties with no rhyme or reason, right? Like if you don't have someone guiding the way, you know, it could be, it could, you could be net worse. Off you you could be. I, I've seen some of those portals. Yes. Sure, it's, you've gotten a lot of it, those and you have to clean it, them it, up. Yeah, it's not actually hard. It's not actually too hard to mess them up. <laughs> you can mess them up pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's honestly, that's why I went uh, when I was leaving customer success. That's why I applied to partner sales versus uh, versus direct. I just, you know, I, I really believe that the future of HubSpot is our partners, is our partner ecosystem. Because as the tool gets increasingly more complex and the landscape of CRM of marketing of sales of every you know sub nuance of that gets more complex I mean I just don't see how people are going to maximize the value of this investment without a partner I just mm -hmm. I don't see it yeah yeah you must have some studies on that right HubSpot success with partners and HubSpot success without is, is there any interesting data on that Floating around HubSpot? I'm sure they're definitely. I mean, I, I feel like I've heard like the retention rate is better. And I feel like some of the, that obvious stuff. But, you know, what about like results like leads generated or sales closed with and without partners? You must have that data somewhere, don't you think? I think if we don't, we should. I'm you should. That would be very interesting, right? I think that would help us make a lot of sales if we could be like, look, um, 
HubSpot's great. Most people get 20% more leads with HubSpot, but when the partner's involved, they get 40% more leads. Listen, HubSpot marketing people, content people, I'm going to be reaching yeah. out. Well, pass that along. Pass that along to the people that can do something about it. No, it's a good, it's a good point. Um, it's a really good point because it's true. You know, it's a good thing to document across the platform for the entirety of our partners. Right. Mike, how do you right, feel? Well, go, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, you've been in this partner ecosystem for gosh, what, 10 years? Something like that? Longer, but yes. Longer. How long? I think we I think we became a partner in 2009. Wow. Yeah. Your estimation where do you think the partner program is going to be in another in the next 10 years fast forward 10 years i think it's going to look like the salesforce partner program care to elaborate yeah i think you're going to have um very technical partners i think when i joined the partner program they were looking for people who built websites they were people looking for people who did graphic design people who did email campaigns social media like all the marketing tactics or kind of what where the alignment was with and that's how we got involved um i don't know if you've ever heard this story or not but uh i bought hubspot for square two mm-hmm. and i used it for a couple of months no one even knew in the company i had it i don't think eric even knew i had it i bought it and i was using it and again as a lifelong marketer i had i was running marketing for a software company before i started square two um for the first time in my entire career, I could see what was working, like in real time almost, right? So that was incredibly exciting to me. I was like, oh, if I do more of this, I'm going to get more of that. If I do more of this, I'm going to get more of that. And I I said to Eric, I said, look, I've been using this. And, and again, like we had a bad website, like nothing was different about what we were doing, except I had HubSpot, right? Um so I said, look, this is a really interesting tool and it's kind of giving me this insight into what we're working on. And I really think we should be putting all the clients on this. It should just be part of our operating model, right? You want to work with Square 2, you got to buy HubSpot. And he was like, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what HubSpot is, but you know, this is your area. It sounds good to me. I go, look, I want to run a bit of an experiment. We have these two clients. I want to go to them and say, I'm going to put you on HubSpot and I'm going to pay for it. But if after three months you see improvement in your results, you agree to buy it back from us, right? And after three months, they both had better results and they both happily like picked up the subscription and changed out the credit card information and started paying for it. Um, And at that point, Eric was like, okay, let's do it. Um, he went to his first inbound. He was incredibly like moved by the entire uh, ecosystem and the rest was history. So I feel like to, to answer your question, I feel like the partner program 10 years from now are going to be people who are good at migrations and integrations and custom work and, you know, automation uh, and training and, you know, onboarding and documentation and analysis yeah, you know, workflows, efficiency experts, you know, the same kind of people that I envision going into the Salesforce ecosystem, right? That Salesforce product is incredibly complex. I don't think anyone, maybe if you're buying their essentials product, but I don't think anyone installs Salesforce by themselves, right? You have to get an implementation partner to do it for you. And they spend six months documenting your, your current process and who needs what and you know, you know, creating all the, the the tools in Salesforce and Salesforce is much harder to use than HubSpot, but still like you need somebody that understands your business and can mirror your, your business practices in Salesforce and then keep it going because you're going to want to make changes to it. Hey, this isn't working like we thought it would. Let's, no one knows how to do it. Okay. The one Salesforce admin, I mean, we do a decent amount of Salesforce work and we're, I'm always happy when the client goes, oh, we have a Salesforce admin. I'm like, great, thank God. Someone knows what their Salesforce is going to do because when they're like, we don't know, like we hired a guy, he left, we had a company, they're gone. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to, this is going to be a mess for us to try to figure that out. So I feel like that's what the ecosystem is going to look like. It's going to be people providing those services because my other side of this is you can already see it, you know, like 
I imagine in 10 years, if, if a company wants a website, they're not going to need a firm like mine to do it. They're going to go to some, some other website. They're going to put in some information about their company and bing, out's going to pop a really beautiful website that has all their content in it. It's SEO optimized. It probably has some kind of conversion methodology applied to it and yep. they're done, right? They'll pay for it for $39.99 a month and they'll be you know off, off, off and going. And even the content that they want added to it, they're going to go to some kind of AI platform. They're going to be like, write me a blog article on account-based marketing and bing, it'll pop out. They'll stick it on their website through HubSpot and they'll be, they'll be good to go, right? So if that's the case, what's, what's a marketing agency going to do, right? I, 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 I still think there'll be, and we are awesome at this. So I, I, I hope that we'll still be able to do this. Many, many clients come to us with literally no message and no story. Yeah. You know, it, you know, if HubSpot was like that, they'd be like, we sell marketing automation software. And everyone would be like, what is that? Yawn. I don't need this next. Right. Yeah. You guys have always been awesome at telling a much better, higher level story. You know, started with inbound marketing. Like we're going to change the way you market your business and you need the software to do it. You know, it's, you know, grow better. The flywheel. Now it's the connected customer. Like you guys are awesome at coming up with those stories. But you also have a very big mechanism for doing that thing. You know, Darmesh also said there's a content company inside HubSpot. Like nobody has that. So, yep. uh, you know, a lot of our clients need help with that story. And I actually think we're quite good at that. So there may be opportunities for us to continue to do work like that, you know. Uh, but I think most of the ecosystem is going to look like these technical partners that are really good at connecting things and automating things and making things work better. It's fascinating. How do you feel about that? I mean, you must talk about this at HubSpot. And I'm, one of my questions I have for you is like, what makes a good HubSpot partner? So what makes a good HubSpot partner? Is it someone that can, you know, make, you know, take someone from Marketo to HubSpot or is it someone that can, you know, create this end-to-end -end customer buyer journey that drives one-to-one -one campaign execution with your platform underneath it? It's a great question. And I think, honestly, it depends, right? Because it's like, is there one brand or one, um, not brand, excuse me, one industry, one vertical that's best for HubSpot? Well, well not, not really, right? There's a bunch that we can specialize in. And when you have a particular situation, where let's say a, a larger company that has a large in-house marketing team really just wants to go from a, a Marketo, for example, into a HubSpot, then yeah, a migration specialty partner probably is a, the best fit for them. But let's take a different company that perhaps you know doesn't have that end-to-end -end journey, doesn't have that connected customer element. Well, you stick them with a partner that just specializes in migration and, and you don't have much of anything Right. You know, let, let, let me ask you what will be a difficult question for you to answer. Sure. HubSpot sells software, right? Yeah. So does HubSpot ever really investigate the client's ability to tell a compelling story or deliver that end-to-end -end customer journey that is remarkable? Or is it more about look, you're about to buy this product from us and you're on this other product and we need to get you off of it. Or you're about to buy this product from us and you need it connected to this other thing that you also have. So we need someone to help you with that. Are they ever really getting into those other conversations about those more nuanced elements of, of go-to-market? Yeah, I think they we are. are too. Absolutely. And I mean, I can't speak for every sales rep ever, but I can, you know, speak for me. Um, and in my mind, that's the reason we have partners, right? Because some people, they do not have that compelling ability to tell their own story. And, and man, like they, they need it. And, and I think down the line, like, of course, there will be very highly technical partners that, that do that kind of implementation, uh, as you mentioned, but remember that you know, the turn on a website real quick, the AI for content, like that's going to be table stakes for everybody. 
So everyone's going to rise basically at the same pace. And I think the folks that are really going to stand out from a marketing perspective are still going to engage with an agency that specializes in that brand voice, in that storytelling, because that, you know, to kind of tie it back to earlier in the conversation, that that's authentic. And everyone's going to be able to tell the difference. I believe that thoroughly. Situation, right? You're talking to a prospect, right? And they, you look at their website and they have like no message, no story. It's like, we sell dishes. They're like, are you literally like suggesting to them like, oh, and by the way, like you really should see if you can find someone to help you create a more differentiated story around your brand and what you guys do. Is that a conversation that comes up? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because I'm encouraged to hear that. Yeah. Well, also like, you know, I'm luckily like, I think I have the best job in HubSpot, right? Because I get to work with agencies that are so entrepreneurial and often very agile, right? While being at a giant company and getting all the resources that come from that, right? Like the content stuff you were mentioning. But in my mind, right? Like I'm, I mean, I'm sure I could go sell used cars if I want to and probably do pretty well. I like selling stuff and I'm you know, mm -hmm. good at it, but that's not particularly interesting, right? What's interesting and what really adds value, in my opinion, is during a sales process to have that CSM type conversation of like, look, what are you doing here? Like, why, what are you doing? Why does anyone care, right? Yeah. And you get into that qualitative element, that's where I really think you find a good fit customer, which is better qualitatively and quantitatively in the long run. So, so you don't have any problem telling them their baby's ugly. Uh, <laughs> that's the look. It's a difficult conversation to it's have. It's hard. Yeah, no, I've backed away from it a few times, but I try to be like, hey, I think what you're doing is great, but you could do a lot better. You right. Know? So you maybe know? not your baby's ugly, but oh, like if you put a different color on it, it might look better. <laughs> Yeah, have you considered sunglasses? On <laughs> right. A hat might cover those ears up a little bit better yeah. than them fly out like that. That's exactly right. Um, that's, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Well, like I said, I hope that I look, I, I understand the, you know, the HubSpot sales team is on a journey and, you know, we had some nice conversations with some senior executives at inbound and, you guys have always been very uh, transparent with where everybody is on the journey. And I hope that, you know, getting those people who are having those conversations with, with prospects to, you know, look a little broader at what they're doing besides just the technology and giving them the right advice, because look, it's all connected now, right? You guys started it, the connected customer, right? Yep. If you don't have a good story, if you can't get it out there, if you can't do one-to-one, -one, if you can't do orchestrated omni-channel campaigns, if you can't continue that experience into the sales process, if you can't uh, make them feel safe and then take care of them as customers so that they buy more and talk about it, you can't grow a business, right? And yes, the HubSpot platform will support everything I just said, but it's just one pillar. So you know, I, I'm hopeful that the HubSpot direct team and you guys are kind of giving that same architecture to prospects so that they understand everything that goes into it. You know, I mean, I think in an ideal world, if I had like a, like a magic wand or I was like, you know, CEO or chairman of the board for a day, one thing I would implement is candidly, I would make everybody on a rotational basis, whether you're C-suite all the way on down. You have to do two weeks a year as a frontline customer support rep on the phone, right? And then the next two weeks, you have to be a customer success manager on the phone. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. got it every single year. You got to do it. You're, if you're in sales, your quote is paused. Everything is paused. You got to do it because you have to see in person what it's like for these customers. I, I think that would be a huge benefit, but you know, I'm, I'm not sure that's the most <laughs> scalable idea for a publicly traded company, but, yeah. you know, but what I will say is that the benefit we have is that on our sales team, we know we're not perfect. We're very candid about that. And we try hard to get better. Right. And that we can keep doing. 
Right. Yeah. And I agree. And I appreciate that. And none of us are perfect. We all can be better at what we do. And as we said at the beginning of the show, we're all learning this new world together anyway. So I think the closer we can work together and the more we can understand each other, the the better it's going to be for sure. 100%. Yeah. All right. Before I wrap up, anything you want to add? Square two is awesome. HubSpot's awesome. If you're listening to this, come buy some HubSpot. <laughs> awesome, Nathan. Thanks. I really appreciate it. So just to wrap up, uh, if you like the show, go check it out on YouTube. It'll be posted up there tomorrow. Uh, all of the well, What's Wrong With Revenue shows are on YouTube. Like us, subscribe to it, comment. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to check out the show on the Square2 website, you can go to the site at the bottom. There's a link, What's Wrong With Revenue. Click it. You can get this on your calendar if you want to join us live. You can have us email this right to your inbox the next day if you want to check it out on an on-demand fashion. And you can even post questions. Nathan and I didn't answer any questions today, but Eric and I love your questions. We typically spend almost half the show answering questions that people have about a particular topic. So if you want to send some questions in, we uh, guarantee to answer them. And if you want additional audio and video content, head on over to square2marketing.com backslash square2plus. It's our free Netflix-style streaming service where you can catch all of our audio video content. We have channels for CEOs, CROs, CMOs, salespeople, and we have a whole techno- uh, HubSpot and technology channel where we're about to publish a whole bunch of interesting additional video content there, including something I'm really excited about, a detective series where uh, our RevOps specialist is going to be hunting down very common HubSpot issues and figuring out how to fix them and sharing that via video. So we're calling that the detective series. I'm super excited about that. Look for that uh, probably sometime next month. Last but not least, if you're into audio content, the show is on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and anywhere our podcasts are found. Nathan, thanks very much. I really appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day. And for all you guys, Eric will be back next week, I think. Can't promise, but stay tuned and have a really good day. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks so much, Mike.